You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 39, covering The Savage Curtain, All Our Yesterdays, and Turnabout Intruder, with special guest Gav Brown. Well, gentlemen, here we are at the end of season three. Uh, Gav, you you requested it. You made a very specific request. Yes, uh, I, I want to be here at the, at the very end when it gets insane. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that it was the end. It was this particular episode. You've had your eye on the the minute I said we're doing a Star <laughs> Trek podcast. You said. Uh, Whatever the uh, whatever the local dialect version of dibs would be, it is, it's the... dibs. Okay. Yes. <laughs> dibs oh, on oh, Turnabout Intruder. There's nothing better than this episode. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> we were really worried because season three has been so season three of late. Oh, we were really God, worried. So season three. And we were really worried that our swan song, our our final, you know, our our last bit here would be kind of you know like the cliche out on a whimper, but fortunately not. There's all, all manner of insanity this week. <laughs> yes, I knew this one would deliver. <laughs> but not just yours. I mean, yours yours is fantastic, but uh, mine's pretty great. Uh, Matt, unfortunately, got the got the boring one, but there's still some... I, I got the dull episode. Uh, yes, dull. Three. However, you know, I did offer you the choice. Mm-hmm. I did say, between the Savage Curtain and all our yesterdays, which one do you want? And I think you just flipped a coin or something. So. Yep. So but I can't be blamed for that. It is dull, but I mean, com- I mean, compared to the other two, but it's still a little bit batshit insane. Yeah, it's 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 definitely above the curve for season three. It's definitely the not. Logic is definitely the stupidest of anything we've seen. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that first. First is mine, uh, which is the Savage Curtain. So let's uh, right. let's take it well, away, me. Just a second. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, see, look at that! Look at that subtle plug there. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end, you. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Savage Curtain. Here we go with the last last review of Season 3. This episode opens entirely by the numbers. The Enterprise approaches a mysterious planet. Kirk walks from his chair over to Spock to ask him what the deal is. Then Bones enters the bridge to ask them what the deal is. Seriously, I think about 90 previous episodes open with this exact sequence of events. Which is weird, since there's only 78 episodes, and there's still two more to go after this one. But, anyway. The first minute or two might be conventional, but those happy times are over, as on the main view screen, we're greeted with an image of America's 16th president floating in a space chair. (laughs) Oh, and for the non-Americans among you, i.e. Gavin Matt, uh, America's 16th president was Abraham Lincoln, which, you've already seen the episode, why am I telling you this? Uh, So Kirk, for some reason, decides that this might actually be the real Lincoln, and orders everyone to throw on their dress uniforms, or in Scotty's case, an actual dress, to greet him in the transporter room. Now listen, as an American, I can tell you that our culture has great respect for Lincoln and all that he accomplished. Over the years, like any beloved historical figure, his deeds and abilities have probably been exaggerated. But I'm pretty sure he can't just float around in the cold vacuum of space in a chair. Never mind the fact that he's supposed to have been dead for about 400 years by this point. Alright, but you know what? I'm overthinking this. Space Lincoln is here. Fine. Let's move on. So Space Lincoln convinces Kirk and Spock to visit the planet where they meet Surak, founder of the Vulcan philosophy. Kirk's never heard of the guy, but why would he? It's not like Spock's ever heard of Jesus. Oh, he has? Well, that makes Kirk kind of a bigot then, huh? That can't be right. 
They also meet a decent attempt at an exotic rock alien who tells them that it wants to learn more about these human concepts of good and evil. So it cooks up an opposing team of evil consisting of Colonel Green, featured in the excellent novel Federation, Kalis, featured in the excellent next-gen episode Birthright, Genghis Khan, featured in our excellent history, and some ugly <laughs> chick who was never featured in anything ever. The alien ultimately learns, oh, you know, good is better because they won't trick or kill people. Evil is bad because they will. It feels like the thousandth time we've done some variation on this basic idea, but at least it was fun this time. And if you don't see why Space Lincoln helping Kirk and Spock fight Genghis Khan is fun, then we failed you in encapsulating this <laughs> series, my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> Space Lincoln. They should have just I called it that. <laughs> I knew what we were getting into, and yet as soon as he shows up in his little flying Mobius chair, just <laughs> shooting around in space. And he's, he's the idealized version of Lincoln. He's tall, kind of ugly. He's got the nice voice. I mean, it's, you know, very traditional. Like, it's not like they made him weird or anything. And they never, they never go back on it, do they? They never say it was the alien pretending to be Lincoln or something. It was nope. always just Lincoln. Yep, apparently Lincoln's <laughs> just cruising around space in his chair. Why the fuck wouldn't he? <laughs> well, everyone else is. Why isn't Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> Let Lincoln have a taste. That was his catchphrase back in the day. <laughs> that was his re-election slogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Roddenberry... <laughs> <laughs> when, when the when the credits came up, a story by Roddenberry, and uh, you know, that what was a shock. that was not exactly a twist with the with as completely <laughs> unsubtle and unnuanced as as this was. Yeah, evil good is, is better than evil. Yeah, we're learning good and evil. Like, seriously, how can you not? <sighs> never mind. Just never never mind. <laughs> Let's well, it just... wasn't. It wasn't until we got to Spaceballs um, <laughs> when we learned that evil will win over good because good is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, but I mean, this was the 60s. We, we weren't cynical yet. We still believed that good would always win. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty cynical after the hippie episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, that is a good point. I, I can't believe Kirk, uh, you know, faced off Genghis Khan and did not yell Khan at him. That was kind of a wasted opportunity. <laughs> also a cheap joke, but somebody had to make it, so. Well, yes. I actually would have liked to have seen them bring, uh... oh my God, I can't remember his name now. Well, you have two. I was going to say you have two big Star Trek fans sitting right here. Who are you talking about, Ricardo Montalban? Ricardo Montalban. I'm surprised. I think it would have been cool to bring him back as like a representation of evil from Earth. I I agree. However, Colonel Green, he wouldn't have fought because he he wouldn't have fought because he was too fatigued. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. They tried to bring him there, but he was far too fatigued to go from City Alpha Five to uh, to whatever planet this was. City Alpha Five. This is. I'm getting ahead of myself. When we get to Wrath of Khan. And if they'd given him a flying chair made of rich Corinthian leather. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christ. No, I I think, uh, like I mentioned, the the Star Trek book uh, Federation uh, takes place in that sort of nebulous period that they mention, but is always sort of inconsistent, like World War III, the eugenics wars, whatever. They try to tie a lot of that together, and we see Colonel Green, and they, they mention Khan, and they, they do a good job of tying all that together. But, um, yeah, I have no idea who that chick was supposed to be at all. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did anyone else. <laughs> they needed a woman, nope. I guess. I don't know. That's the next episode. Hmm? Oh, yes. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I brought this one from her future. <laughs> I, I liked Scotty wearing a kilt. I mean, I know it's dumb. I know it's on the nose. Like, he's Scottish. He wears a kilt. Okay, I get that. But the, he plays the bagpipes. He drinks scotch. But that's just how they're dealing with Scotty. But that said, 
I thought it was kind of classy that he wore his dress uniform with a kilt. I thought I thought that looked kind of cool. I I like uh, I like Kirk's just jumping to assume that uh, yet yeah, got to be Lincoln. Everyone, put on your dress <laughs> uniform and uh, yeah. You guys, uh, calm down, fucking settle down. Everyone, Lincoln's here. I don't want to look bad in front of Lincoln. I, now I don't think we ever really. I mean, we saw diplomats come on board. We saw like you know we've seen the dress uniforms. We've seen how people act when when honored guests show up. But it was it, I always like that. I like the. That that sort of corner of the military tradition. I like when you get the guy with his little you know, that that thing. <laughs> just, again? No, I, I don't think I could ever make that noise again, actually. <laughs> that didn't occur to me the first when that guy first No, showed Matt, up Matt's like, like, is that guy wearing a whistle? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? You have a rape whistle? <laughs> like anyone who wants to R him. He's the uh, <laughs> Enterprise gym instructor. <laughs> <laughs> he calls everyone by their last names. <laughs> Horrible. Spock, two, 20 laps. <laughs> I don't know. I, but on the other hand, I do like that Kirk just kind of, I don't know. He's been through 78 episodes of this stuff. And he's like, you know what? Fine. It's Abraham Lincoln. Sure. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, Lincoln's here. You know who we have to get? Uhur, get her up here. Oh, no. God. <laughs> we we'll, have to have a hurry. We, we'll address that when we get to my quote. I because know that was... who you want to meet. <laughs> That was that was surprisingly not awkward. It's like they kept wanting it to be awkward, and it just wasn't. Mm. It's kind of strange. I, I did like the uh, the conflict where Bones and Scotty were like, "Don't go to the planet. This is obviously a trap." And Kirk and Spock are just like, "Fuck it, let's go check it out." Like, I was... want to see what the trap is. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah when the... they said about the uh, small Earth environment, I thought it was Kevin and Rashawn from the, the Next Generation episode. You know, where there's that's just the uh, small bit. Oh, of God, the, the house, house. yeah, the old that. couple who oh, one right. of them. That's right. I can't even remember the episode name, but uh, <laughs> the old couple on the hill. <laughs> the old couple on the hill. No, I, I, I think... seem to remember the one you're talking about. I, I, I feel really at a loss that I don't know it off the top of my head. But uh... well, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> we will, and we're almost through this series, so we'll get there soon. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know I'm what you so mean. I There's... feel so tired. <laughs> <laughs> You're very fatigued, huh? <laughs> yes. I liked, I liked, uh, like, there's a lot of, a lot of seeds for history here. Like, Surak ends up being a big deal, and Kalis ends up being a big deal later. And, you know, as much as it's sort of a throwaway episode as it was, they did build on this stuff later, and that was kind of cool. Well, it was a, it's a good episode for sort of filling out the universe that, like, yeah. of the, like, the aliens, you know? Yeah, and I like, I like Surak. I like the guy that got to play him, and I like the general idea that he's a, you know, Sort of a, a MLK Gandhi type who's like mm-hmm. you know refuses to fight and the, you know that's pretty cool. I will never not be amused by the name Kalis the Unforgettable. <laughs> Who? Uh, oh, sorry. you don't I, say that. I had, to, had to do that once. <laughs> and then the, the the woman that they had in it, uh, she's going to go on to be Elvira. Oh, is that really? Was that her for real? No. Oh, okay. No, it just looked like her. <laughs> Damn it. Ah, uh, comedy. <laughs> Well, see, you you know, it's that whole deadpan thing, Gav. I just, I can never tell when you're kidding. <laughs> Launching joke now. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm American. You got really got to dumb it down for me here. <laughs> joke away. <laughs> Torpedo. <laughs> Again, we get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Lincoln asks at one point if they measure time in minutes. Do you still, you know, do you still use clocks? And they say, well, no, but we can convert. And then, like... 
three minutes later, Chekhov says, uh, it'll be two minutes before we get here. Like, yes, you do use minutes. Shut up, Chekhov. We're trying to look future in front of <laughs> yeah, the, in front of Lincoln. Exactly. Don't show off in front of company. Well, no, Mr. Lincoln, we're in the future now. We've no, evolved beyond ex- minutes. No, no excuse me. <laughs> Start at 31692.4. That means it's Tuesday. <laughs> Point two. Just do they have a start date stakes then instead of minute stakes? <laughs> I'm very sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I have no reason to, to criticize at this point. Um, they, at one point they mentioned separating the nacelles. I don't know what that's about. Like, I mean, I, I get that the saucer can separate, but why would you, why would you break off the part that makes the ship go? Apparently the Enterprise is completely collapsible for easy storage. <laughs> it's modular. You can just snap one piece off and, uh, you know, it's like made of Lego. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, this was just a, this was a goofy episode and it didn't pretend to be anything but goofy. Like, they spent most of their time on the planet, like, actually fighting. Like, physically fighting mm-hmm. the evil camp. And it was just fun. It did remind me of that whole Waxworld episode of Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine that probably drew from from this a bit. There's also a movie, what is it, Westworld, I think? Yep. Which is based yeah. on a, a, a theme park that, that comes alive and that sort of thing. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely not a new idea. But again, you know, we had a Lincoln costume. <laughs> we had a Genghis Khan costume. What can we make out of this? I mean, that's that's been the driving force of season three. And I think... <laughs> That's mostly apparent in Matt's episode, where it's just a jumble of different elements that they threw together to make an episode. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they blew all their money on that on the rock lobster monster. I, that thing, I, I've said this before, when they try, at least when they make an effort to make aliens that aren't human, I give them credit. Yeah, it looked mm-hmm. kind of stupid, but at least they tried. At least it lo- didn't look like a human. Uh, I mean, like... On the one hand, I appreciate the costume, but on the other hand, it looked like a fat dude lounging on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> It had been a, a bit of a Madam Trash Heap look to it, I thought. Mm. I, I did actually think they'd spent their entire uh, budget on season three on that rock person. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lincoln was just like a volunteer. <laughs> Could you? It was just. It was just an insane person at the local asylum who <laughs> thinks he's Lincoln. Or maybe it's the real. Maybe Roddenberry just assumed it was the real Lincoln. Well, yeah, he showed up in his space chair. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't he be? Everyone put on your good suits. Let's welcome Lincoln to the writer's room. <laughs> He's going to be writing the next episode. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that actually explains quite a few things. And DC Fontana, of course, had the little whistle. <laughs> there you go. All right. We got anything else about this one? Or are we ready to push on to uh, the Matt's uh, final episode here? Just, I just wondered why none of the crew burst out laughing when Lincoln first appeared on his space chair. I don't know how. I'm pretty I mean, sure. I, I did. I'm pretty sure it's because Kirk told them not to. Like Kirk was taking it seriously, and they were like, "Shit, we better we better play this straight, or he's going to get mad at us." <laughs> Again, yeah. That, that's really the only thing I can think. Because really, when when they're preparing to beam him on, Scotty's like rolling his eyes and like, "This is obviously not Abraham Lincoln." And Kirk walks in and says, "I know that, but you will take this seriously, Mister." Like, oh, all right. <laughs> What you think I don't? I can't identify real space Lincoln from fake space Lincoln. I've been in space a long time. Listen, Scotty. give me a Lincoln lineup. I can I can pick out the real one. Mm-hmm. All right. So Matt, do you want to tell us about? I, I, oh, and I like your comment that uh, Lincoln is uh, Kirk's apparently Kirk's hero. Oh, God, 
Yeah, I like that, a comment that's saying that Abraham Lincoln being your hero is like uh, your favorite Zeppelin be- song being Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like, did you not even open the book? Oh, no, I, Abraham Lincoln's the one I look up to. Yep. <laughs> Just so shallow. It's uh, like, it's well, like that's Kirk. Would, yeah. Well, yes. But it does fit our, our, our now image of Kirk. But at the time, he was supposed to be this like profound hero. And, you know, not so much now. I like that that like that was a question that was on the uh, Starfleet Academy entrance exam, yeah, and he was just hero. desperately looking yeah. around his uh, around the room he was in. He saw a Penny. <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. There's no there's no money in the future. What's wrong with you? <laughs> all right. So why, why don't you tell us about all our yesterdays? Okay. <laughs> so the Enterprise arrives at the planet Sarpedon to warn the inhabitants that their sun is about to go supernova. And by about to go supernova, I mean it's going to go supernova today. <laughs> like, after lunch. Yep. I, you're cutting it a bit close there, guys. Well, maybe you can help them load a baby into a rocket ship or something. <laughs> anyway, so they arrive on the planet to find it's completely empty, again, and the only inhabitant <laughs> is a creepy old librarian named Mr. Atos. Mr. Atos explains that exclaim, bleh, explains that everyone already knew about the Nova, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, when it would have helped. <laughs> and they used a device in the library to go and hide in various versions of that planet's history, which seems like a very um, seems like a it really seems like you're putting off your problems for a later date. Uh, anyway, so that suddenly they hear a woman scream and Kirk sensing a chance to nail a lady on a planet that's about to be destroyed by a supernova and cross another entry off of his bucket list. Runs <laughs> off to investigate and goes back in time somehow. He arrives in, uh, let's go with three, three Musketeers time and has a sword fight with some attempted rapists because why the fuck not? Spock and Bones attempt to follow him only to arrive in the planet's ice age. They wander around for a while and then encounter a beautiful woman who takes them to a papier-mâché cave. Back in the French Revolution, Kirk is arrested for saving the woman and accused of witchcraft. He escapes by he escapes by bamboozling his mentally challenged guard and then capturing his prosecutor, another in a long line of ridiculous-looking Star Trek characters. Returning to the wall where he first appeared in the past, he discovers that by yelling loudly, he can make contact with Spock and Bones in the past, which makes all sorts of sense who says it doesn't. <laughs> Kirk manages to return to the present and threatens Mr. Atos to help him save Spock and Bones. His plan works perfectly right up to the point where Atos stuns him with a taser and attempts to wheel him into the past <laughs> on a little cart in a sequence so hilarious I missed about five minutes of dialogue. <laughs> Back in the Ice Age, Spock is acting out of character and Bones quickly establishes that it is not because he reinstalled Spock's brain wrong for once. Spock finds himself falling in love with a beautiful woman who saved them and becoming completely uninterested in returning to the present. Bones, who doesn't like the idea of being a perpetual third wheel for the rest of his life, thinks otherwise and convinces Spock that the planet is doing something mysterious and stupid to him. Apparently it's de-evolving him, which again, makes perfect sense! Oh, yeah. They return to the present by walking through the portal they came through, which should have been the first fucking thing <laughs> they did! And meet up with Kirk just in time to escape the exploding planet. Of course, they wouldn't have had to cut it quite so close if Spock didn't spend 20 fucking minutes holding his girlfriend's hand. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there was, like like we said, this is the boring of the three, but there's a lot of insane logic here. Also, okay, before, so... hang on, before we, before we go into this, you, you actually made a joke that we keep meaning to bring up every week and keep forgetting to. 
which is we, we think that in Spock's brain, Bones put it in wrong. And Spock's been acting weird and out of character all season, and that's why. And that's going to continue until he dies in Star Trek Two. Yeah, and then they, 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 you know, they bring back a body that has a good brain in it. Anyway, yes. sorry. So is that why he leaves Star Trek or Starfleet then? Yeah, that exactly, because his, brain, his brain's in wrong. <laughs> I mean, Bones is good. Let's, let's, not, uh, let's not argue about that, but he's not that good. No. But yeah, this was the, the, the insane logic of this one just baffled me. So I just want to boil this down. There is apparently a time travel hole in the library that they, fil- that they stuck everyone in to hide them from, uh, from the supernova that was going to kill them all. Mm-hmm. And how this time travel gate works is that apparently once you go through it, stuff that hasn't been invented yet stops working because it hasn't been invented yet. Yeah, the phasers don't work because there are no phasers yet. Uh-huh. And then Spock starts de-evolving into a primitive Vulcan. Now, they were only 5,000 years in the past, which from a genetic level, 5,000 years is nothing. Like, 5,000 yeah. years ago, humans were still humans. We were just, you know, we hadn't discovered stuff yet, but but we weren't, like, cavemen. It's not that and, long and ago. And it's just Spock. No one else does this. Yeah, no, it's just Bones Spock. Is fine. Well, the chick now, that's been living there all this time. The, the chick that had been living there, they did make special mention that people had been prepared for the journey, so it's possible she's immune to it. But Bones definitely should have been. Just, that but maybe he's just, he's just grumpy all the time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that could be, but yeah, I don't I, want to live in the past. The, the the logic made no sense, and of course, the basic logic of going back into your own past to escape. Okay, fine, I get that you're you're not going to get blown up, but I don't know. Couldn't you just leave the planet? Yeah, like you want to change history, like so. Your history is now littered with people with knowledge of the future, and it, I guess it doesn't matter if the world's going to get destroyed. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't screw too much up, I suppose. This, it just seems like a very elaborate plan when you could just leave. And Starfleet is actually sending ships to pick you guys up. Well, not only that, but but if they had this plan, you would think Starfleet might have called ahead, said, "Hey, do you guys need to be rescued?" Oh no, we got it covered with this stupid time travel thing. Very well. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it seems based on lots of happenstance. It's just, it's like, this is the longest process we could possibly go about to do it to solve this stupid problem. Yeah, but then, again, but then the the episode wouldn't have happened had, you know, had the elaborate plan not happened perfectly. And if they hadn't come at exactly the right time and gone through exactly, you know, like, way too many things had to had to happen for that to, to happen. <laughs> I'm thinking Starfleet didn't actually like this planet and they were kind of hoping it would blow up. And so they sent Kirk there anyway. And hey, uh, sent the Kirk there and said, "Don't go until two p.m. on this day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the the dude, Mister Ataz, was actually the exact same actor I pointed out a few weeks ago, who looks exactly like the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult. Mm-hmm. I put on the Post Atomic Horror blog a picture of the two of them next to each other, and they do look a lot alike. Same oh yes, in the, uh, in the in the Sun episode. Yes, yes, he was yes. the leader of the Sun worshippers in in that. That episode. The ones that worship Jesus? Yeah, the, the Roman <laughs> Roman planet, right? Ah! Who, who Spock has heard of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jesus, he is half human. I so have heard of you. <laughs> I like the... Uh, oh, God. There's a bit earlier on where Kirk says when they just first get to the library and he says they're in the right place to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Why? Did they write a fucking book on it? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to find that? 
Yeah, that's a good point. I did like the effect of the little discs, the little playback discs. They had like silver, like they were about the size of a CD, but they were a little thicker. Mm. And they would prop them up on a thing, and and the thing would play footage from whatever historical period they were reading about. That was that yeah, was cool. That was a neat little effect. Yeah, and that would then set the machine to go back to that period. Mm. Which, uh, fine, whatever. Again, ridiculous, <laughs> but what about this episode isn't? So. Yeah, and, and the fact that, you know, I, again, this is something I point out all the time, but it doesn't get any less stupid. The fact that this is not a planet of humans. These are aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had, their history had Three Musketeers French Revolution time, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just, wow, what? <laughs> oh, and I want to talk about the prosecutor that Kirk beats up. Oh, jeez, that guy. <laughs> He looked like he looked like he looked like Mr. Bumble from Oliver Twist. <laughs> he looked like someone inflated his face like they blew a few too many times to inflate his face. He has like these super expressive sad puppy dog eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and there will be these constant close-ups of him where he just is looking desperately around him. Yep. Yeah. And I just I I have no I cannot understand a word you're saying because you are far too ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and then of course there was that bit that you mentioned with <laughs> Mr. Atos pushing Kirk around on that cart. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That was that was pretty great. He's trying What, he's what can trying I find to... in the What can I find in the library? Oh, here's a cart. <laughs> <laughs> His big plan is to hide instead of to returning Kirk to his ship, he's gonna hide Kirk in the past like he has with everyone else. Yep. So he stuns him with a taser, loads him onto a shopping cart, and tries to roll him into the past. I'm well, thinking he did this with everyone. Yeah. And there's and there's no actual emergency. He just wants rid of everyone. No, there's keep taking out his books and not returning them. This is the this is the story of an insane librarian. That's what this that's what this episode is about. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna go on to be the dude from the Twilight Zone. I did like the, the robot copies of himself. That was the and I liked they, they played the gradual revelation of the fact that he had all these different copies of himself, kind of for comedy. Mm-hmm. Where they see him around one corner and then they move and he's already there and yep. like the the way that was paced and edited and acted was actually kind of funny You're a very agile man mr atos <laughs> <laughs> i liked that and i liked his responses were a bit off mm-hmm. where kirk would ask a question and he would pause for a sec and then he would answer not exactly the same question but it was almost like the way the dialogue was written like when you ask google a question and it answer it picks up on two or three key words yeah but he was still mr. better atos than is like the evolution of Cleverbot. Uh, I was about to say, at least he's better than Cleverbot. <laughs> he could also tell you exactly what to do with a lifetime supply of chocolate, so there's that. But no, that guy was all right. Yeah, Loading it into a cart and sending it into the <laughs> That That guy was okay. It was just the rest of it. Uh, Spock's girlfriend, though. Whew. Oh, Jesus Christ. She takes off that, that fur coat and she's wearing like a... I don't know why in the Ice Age you would just wear a tiny little scrap of clothing, but uh, that was, uh, you know... I, I was initially under the impression that, along with the budget cuts in season three, they had less attractive women in in uh, in Star Trek season three. I was wrong. Yeah, no, it turns out that's what they were spending all the budget on. Yeah, I guess. Because, uh, but I mean, as as far as just revealing outfits goes, that was that's probably the most oh, that man. they've done. And and you know, it wasn't even like you know she was super gorgeous or anything. It was just like, wow, that's this is the Ice Age, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fur bikini, very well. What was the deal when she was wearing her fur coat and she had the hood up, so she was standing behind Spock? 
and there was the whole thing, oh, who's this? And yeah. there was a bit of extra time, and you thought, oh, is this Chekhov or someone? <laughs> and then she takes, takes over her hood, and it's just a woman. It's um, it's not really a twist, is it? No. Well... But I suppose it might have been in the 60s, but... <laughs> at least it wasn't Chekhov. I mean... My, fir- my first impression was that it was death from uh, Monty Python and <laughs> the meaning of life. Yeah. Points the them. salmon moose. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Death is a reaper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But no, I think the most ridiculous thing of all was, as you pointed out, just being able to yell at each other from different time periods. That's when this completely went off the rails. Think how much you'd save on phone bills. (laughs) I mean, I would just go back to that place and yell at me of the past. Hey, season three is boring. I, I don't even know where to be. Like, okay, the de-evolving thing is stupid. Hiding in the past is stupid. But yelling at each other from different time periods, I think, is the most stupid. Hey, Bones, I'm in the I'm in the French Revolution. I'm in the Ice Age, Jim. It's cold. <laughs> Burr. Boy, we really saved a budget this week. Yep. I'm in a giant war. Can't you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the, uh, the, uh, the, the, only, the only legitimately cool thing was, and, and this was only in the restored version, which, Matt, I know you, like the last disc of your set screwed up so you couldn't watch yep. the, the, the cleaned up versions. Uh, Gav, you saw the, the restored one, though, right? I did. At the very end, when they're, when they're sort of out racing the supernova. Yes, that was pretty cool. That was a very nice effect. I, I like. Yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> I like the incidental effects, like when, like. In fact, you... I think it was the best thing of season three. <laughs> oh, absolutely! All over. Yeah, definitely. I watched it over and over again. In fact, the best thing of my life, and I don't think my life would be worth living if I didn't see that. <laughs> it really, it was pretty great. No, I just I like you know they 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 could phone it in they could just show the ship flying away but they really put a little extra work into stuff like that and made it you know extra good which is which is great and and you know almost makes it worth it but not quite. We've talked about how how the uh, how we suspect that the guys doing the uh, the, the the redone episodes uh, were putting cool stuff in to make up for the fact that the episodes were shitty. Yeah, we're we're so sorry, guys. Here, enjoy this. <laughs> Well, look out for that supernova. <laughs> I actually, I think I'm honestly, I think what the deal was was they had a certain budget allotment for every episode, and mm-hmm. when you get like a bottle episode, you can't really do much, so that money rolls over to the next one, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Ooh, we can do something really cool here." Because I mean, what are you going to do with like Elon of Troyes? You're not going to make that green guy any cooler. <laughs> we greened him up by eighty <laughs> percent. So you know, you might as well just wait and uh, you know for something like this, and ooh, supernova. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what a supernova sounds like. Ah, uh, right. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is the sound effects episode, ladies and gentlemen. Wee! <laughs> 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 All right. Anything else about this I'm one? Or in the past. <laughs> I'm in the future. I just want to say, Arlen, Arlen Ellison, writer of City on the Edge of Forever, probably wept watching this episode. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> He's For dead there were way. no new worlds to sue. <laughs> <laughs> no, he can sue into the past now. Oh god, <laughs> he can just push his lawyer on a little cart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think that's the next thing we need to uh, to isolate a clip of and play with yakety sax. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can put that together. That should be in the motion picture. Never mind anything else. <laughs> Instead of those long lingering shots of the Enterprise, you should just have that. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we ready to, to push forward here? Apparently. <laughs> Well, you you have something special here, and I didn't. I don't want to give you plenty of time to uh, to tell us about the final episode, the one that you requested. <laughs> Turnabout intruder. And here we go. At Camus Two, the Enterprise orbits above to find Janice Lester, Kirk's old love. When she sees him, she is pretty glad. Unfortunately, you see, she is quite mad. Unfortunately, not allowed into Kirk's world of captains. So on ancient technology, she has Kirk restrained. For you see, it was all an elaborate scheme. Swapping bodies is Janice's dream. Having fallen for Dr. Lester's deceit, Captain Kirk is now a bit of feet. They all beam to the ship ASAP, including Coleman, Janice's MD. To each other, McCoy and Coleman deride. Coleman is the doctor, fake Kirk decides. McCoy is quite happy with this ruling. Oh, wait, he's not and thinks he needs schooling. Straight to the bridge, fake Kirk does flee, but it's okay, she's read Starfleet Wiki. After talking to Spock, he has a hissy fit. Spock is unsure of the captain, he must admit. Dr. McCoy shouts at fake Kirk to no avail. He just sits preening and filing his nails. Spock and McCoy think the captain's in a mental jam, so naturally they make him do a physical exam. The real Kirk convinces Spock he's not a fake, and to that end they attempt a jail escape until security arrives as if a killer is at large and Spock is arrested on a mutiny charge. Oh goody, a court case, you sarcastically say. Not long, I'm almost through this rhyming word play. Mutiny, screams fake Kirk, and again mutiny, but cannot get any of the crew to agree. After more fake Kirk's legendary hissy fits, Spock, Scotty, and McCoy's lives are forfeit. To the Enterprise crew, this is a rule infraction, and they engage in a bit of industrial action. But to avoid the writers having to explain, Lester and Kirk's bodies are switched back again. Unfortunately, Lester is now a gibbering wreck, but it's all in day's work for 60s Star Trek. If you thought this treatment of women was blunt, well, it's all because James T. Kirk is a captain. <laughs> Matt, will you please join me in uh Yes. That that was fucking brilliant, my friend. It's only because I have nothing else to do with my <laughs> Well you are currently between jobs, but <laughs> But also I imagine at this point, what is it what is it, seven PM there in, in the UK now? It's uh, nine PM. Nine PM, excuse me. Uh and, and you've you've at least had one beer. I'm surely you've had more. I have had several beers uh, at this point. So in addition to writing and composing that, you've also managed to, to read it all in one take. <laughs> in addition to writing, I can read. Without fumbling. <laughs> well, there's so a rhythm there. The, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So listen, when, when Matt and I just read the paragraph or two that we've written of, of non-rhyming summary, I often oh, have I'll not to, be doing this again. <laughs> I often have to cut out the bits where we go, um, or stumble, or Matt goes, bleh. Yep. That's his cue when he, when he blows a line, bleh. It is an ongoing problem. <laughs> but we, you know, we we always do. And the fact that you got through that in one take, just uh, extra impressive. <laughs> now that was that was fantastic. And and you summed up all the salient points there. Like you 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 hit all everything that happened. You weren't just 
you weren't just showing us you could be clever. You that was that was great. Well, all that ma- all that matters is that Kirk is just the most sexist woman ever. Oh God! <laughs> I I, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Well, but sort of the start. When Kirk and his patronizing bedside manner with uh, Janice Lester. If she wasn't going to switch bodies with them then, she, she pretty much was after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Muffin. You're not feeling well? Oh. You want some soup? You want get, some soda crackers? I, I heard the I'll official... get a her to make you some. <laughs> I'd heard the official explanation... Uh, was that, that she's crazy and that there are women Starfleet captains that she's you know it's just it's just her who thinks that there aren't but no Kirk confirms that with his dialogue yeah why well, what does he say I don't... it does seem to me that she was just talking about not being with because because he was a captain she couldn't be with him kind of thing uh, no there was a specific because I listened for this yeah. there was a specific oh, line right. where he says. Something like uh, she's just jealous because women can't be captains or uh, something like that. And Al, it's right at the beginning. Can you like put it in here? Yes, I will absolutely drop that quote here just to just so that people know I'm not making that up. <laughs> Your world of starship captains doesn't admit women. It isn't fair. No, it isn't. But no, he definitely uh, he definitely confirms it. Like you know, a supposedly sane high-ranking officer confirms what she said, which is there are no women Starfleet captains, and that's just like, wow, really? Well, after this episode, they probably thought, well, fuck, we better have women captains after yeah. this. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I get more women stealing more Kirk bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, I just finished reading uh, uh, and reviewing for our blog, actually, plug, plug, um, The Lost Years, which covers, you know, the period between the series and the first movie, and Kirk answers to a female admiral. Mm. And I'm wondering, well, if there are no female captains... And they reversed that in the last couple of years. She she got in quick. I, guess. I don't know how that works. So uh. Well, I'm sure they probably were all like, oh, shit, we need some female admirals. Promoted, promoted, promoted. promoted. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they just all go straight from commander to uh, to admiral. They don't get to, to command a ship, but they get desk jobs. Mm. Would explain Janeway. Yeah, actually, that would explain Janeway quite effectively. <sighs> she got there on the affirmative action scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, an admiral. Oh, God. <laughs> Somehow season three doesn't look so bad now. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 the woman who played Janice Lester, who actually ended up playing Kirk for most of the episode, she was actually pretty good. She, yeah. I almost would say she played Kirk better than Shatner plays Kirk. <laughs> oh, man. But Shatner well, mincing almost. it up as her. Oh, that was brilliant. That was why I wanted this episode. Oh, I know. That's it's just I mean, marvelous. Really, that's it. This is the note we're going out on. This is, I mean, they might not have known they were doing their season finale or whatever, but really, you could you at least have some control over the episode order. This is the last taste you want to leave in people's mouths. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I was going to make a salty joke there, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> speaking of, why didn't she just head to Kirk's quarters after she turned into Kirk? You know, for a bit of a lone time. Wouldn't. wouldn't <laughs> Wouldn't everyone else do this in the same situation? Well, yep, sure. Well, obviously, much. yeah. Well, and, and why didn't Kirk do the same when he was in sickbay? I mean, well, he, he probably would have wanted to, but he was in sickbay. He's a damn all the luck. Or why didn't he go track himself down and make love to himself? <laughs> Must have been his lifelong ambition. <laughs> 
I really had to beat both of you to that one. <laughs> oh, God, I was so ready. I wanted to pause there, but I knew both of you would rush in. <laughs> Seriously, though, if he'd somehow managed <laughs> to have some alone time with himself. Mm-hmm. That's why he wanted Spock to just make him escape, so he could actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> or he could make love to Spock, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's fine, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's... Well, because there's a bit where uh, Janice, or real Kirk, and Spock actually hold hands. True. Finally, uh, I... it's socially acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I can do this. <laughs> so are there no gay captains in Starfleet either? Well, uh, There's um, no room in Starfleet for your gay captains either. Amanda has a whole rant about how there are no gay people in Star Trek ever. But we'll get uh, to that when we get to the later series. Yes. Um, I, know, I know the episode. No, no. She, she's, she's, she has a large body of evidence there. It is not one specific episode. It's next gen into DS9 and I even think into the movies just where it seems like Star Trek should be taking a stand on that issue and completely just wusses out. Yeah, no, they uh, they tackle that in the books, but that's about it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, again, this is 1969. The best we can hope for is that a woman gets, you know, fair treatment, and we can't even get that. So. <laughs> also, we don't even get a her in this episode. She's not even here. Yeah. Which no, is... she was she was off doing a singing engagement. Oh, well. Oh. So... She saw the writing oh. on the wall, and she was starting to get other paid gigs. Yeah. Yeah. So don't feel sorry for her. Feel sorry for the audience. <laughs> well, seeing as I was in the audience and feeling sorry for myself, done and done. <laughs> no, I mean the singing audience. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. Well, all right then. As long as she wasn't using that, that those feathers and everything were oh, fine. Fan dan- no, that fan dance didn't come till much later than it should have. No. What we're doing? What we're doing is we're setting up the movies for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Her fan dance would have been quite welcome at this point. Yeah, or, you know, even, like, season one, that would have been fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just, uh, God. This episode. I will say I quite, I was quite fond of the uh, red-haired chick that replaced her, though. Yeah, yeah. What what was her name, like, uh, Lieutenant Lisa? Yes. (laughs) She didn't have a last name, she just had one name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that's like when some families, like, send you to a, a family friend. And it's like... Go go see Mr. Matt. <laughs> For his Matt facts. Uh, <laughs> Wrong show. Was she, was she not in another episode then? She may have been. I think I've seen her back there yeah. before. Because there was another one where her wasn't in and someone else was in the communications, I seem to recall. I think she'd just been sitting in that chair, whereas in this one, when you had the, when you had the, uh, the trial, she actually had some speaking lines. Mm. She had no other chair to sit in. So yeah. Just sit there. Her is not there at the moment. <laughs> Her sits in her lap when she's on duty. <laughs> yeah. This bridge just got interesting. <laughs> Says Mr. Spock. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that that, you know, even though they had no hard evidence to to, you know, implicate that something weird was going on, uh, Bones and Spock knew immediately that something was wrong. I, I just I like I, I'm a sucker for these guys are best friends. I'm kind of a dork that way, but yeah. <laughs> I like that they immediately can tell that he's not acting right. Well, I liked it when yeah. uh, Kirk and Lester's body called uh, uh, McCoy Bones. Yeah. No, like I said, she was she was great. She made a better Kirk than he did. Yeah. She, <laughs> like the way oh, she you're... carried herself and the way she read her lines and stuff. She she seriously, she she played the character really well. Yeah, Kirk was just like, I'm a lady now. Look at me <laughs> sashaying around. Uh, excuse me, I just have to file my fingernails. Yeah, Gav was not uh, Gav was not making that up. That actually did happen. He was doing his nails. No, oh, see, I remember seeing the episode before, 
and I was watching it again today, and I was, and I'm, and that scene came on. And, My God, that actually happened! Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought you might have been, you know, making that up for the, you know, to make the rhyme work or whatever. No, he was really doing that. No, I know. I, I made up the rest of the rhymes to make that. Not work. no. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you said here actually happened. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. The the effect where they switch where they switch bodies or switch brains or how whatever the right way to say that is, and they they went into a lot of the weird semantics in the court scene where it's like, you know, I am Captain Kirk versus this is Captain Kirk's body. They they did weird, like yeah. well, what's the fucking difference? Yes, <laughs> but I I did, I did don't really get like where does your brain go? Is it your brain? Is it is it your soul? Like I don't I, I guess I'm overthinking this, but. Just what is the basic logic of it? I don't need to know the science that makes it work, but what what are we expected to believe is happening here? You Just know what I mean? People are switching. The writers didn't know. Yeah, yeah. It was the last episode of the season. I mean, we've established that there is there is uh, technology in Star Trek, as stupid as it is, to take a brain out of a body. Yep. So they could have just taken his brain out and put it in the other body, but now it's, it's this weird like ghost effect. Well, Lester found out about how badly Bones put uh, Spock's <laughs> brain back in, and then uh, didn't yeah. want to risk it. But like, where is your brain when it's not like when it's between the bodies? Is it just sort of floating there? Is it? I don't know. I just again, I don't care about the actual science. I'm not trying to read into the you know the real world logic of it. I just want to know how it works in the story. Or was it like a computer where they basically erased Kirk's brain and then overwrote wrote it with? Uh, yeah, or like a transporter. Yeah, where you obliterate yeah, the person and recreate them. It's probably like a transporter. Ah. Just think of it, it like a transporter. The brain from one person to the other. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I oh, see. Now I now I buy it. Again, Why not? In, internal. Why logic. don't they do that? They should do that more often. <laughs> Space Lincoln could do it. Sure. What the hell? Yes. Space Lincoln could take over Kirk's body. <laughs> now that would be okay. Would he then be Space Kirk or Kirk Lincoln? <laughs> Is this the way marriages work? Do you have to work out these names? <laughs> There's no world. Captain Kirk Dash Lincoln. There's no room in your in your world of starship captains for hyphenated names. <laughs> There's no room in your world of starship captains for presidents. <laughs> There's no room in your world of starship captains for interstellar space presidents. <laughs> for, for gay marrying 400 year dead uh, historical figures. And Starfleet's really gonna stick up its ass about who he'll make captains. I know. <laughs> That and, it is, makes Kirk, and it makes Kirk captain. Yeah, and then yeah. Oh, and in, and in the new movie, they make like what a sixteen-year-old boy captain. <laughs> well, that's because he uh, he gave favors to the people that were higher up. Well, of course he did. <laughs> well, and he was dared to do better. Secret yep. favors. Um, <laughs> well, on, only secret in canon. I mean, I'm sure someone's gone and flushed <laughs> that out. Pun intended. <laughs> and then at the end, they just switch back for no reason at all. Yep. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, uh, here we go, we're back again. Yeah, and then it wore off. <laughs> so, so if she had <laughs> successfully killed him, if she had successfully killed uh, Janice Lester's body with Kirk's brain in it, and continued being Kirk with Janice Lester, and and then you know, then they switched back. Would she go into her own corpse? No, nope. you know I mean, like she would have gone into the nearest body at that point, which would have been Chekhov. <laughs> And then Chekhov would have minced around. That would have been okay. And, but no one would have noticed, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am the captain. Uh-huh. Sure you are. <laughs> Admiral. Admiral. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the court scene was the best, but there was just so many things in the court scene. There was, um, I don't know if you two noticed whenever Spock, the sort of close up of Spock, and he was speaking, and I just couldn't help noticing on his uh, right side of his mouth. You could definitely see there was a gold tooth. I, no, I didn't. You pointed that out, and I, I haven't gone back and looked yet. But uh, that might be that might be one of those things where now you have HD. Now you can see things that were not meant to be seen. Yes, probably. But I, but I couldn't stop looking at them. Well, yeah. Once you once you spot something like that, <laughs> why does Spock have a gold tooth? I want to see him like trick out his entire mouth with like gold get a grill. Tooth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he smiles at you and it says Spock life on his teeth. <laughs> and it yeah, lights boy. up a neon. Yes. Oh, oh Christ. His fingers have pawn and fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not topping that one. Um and then and then of course the thing we all pointed out with the uh, the death penalty. Apparently there's there's only yeah. one death penalty in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? What did they say this time? It was General Order Seven. Yeah, whereas last time it was it was General Order Four. Which okay, we're getting into nitpicky Star Trek fan crap there, but really, they were they called back to previous episodes a few other times. They couldn't get that number right. Yeah, they just rolled a dice and then mm-hmm. came up with seven somehow. Which is weird because it was a six sided die. <laughs> well, they just they added one for luck. Ah, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Plus one for initiative. <laughs> um. And uh, whenever Scotty was talking about, you know, how different the captain is because he's seen him angry and whatever and all mm-hmm. this, and he says, "Well, I've seen the captain drunk." Have you? When, yeah, they were they were getting really. Drunk from, uh, when the hell was that? I want to see in, uh, that episode. The episode, the, the last episode, episode you did with us, yes, the, the Wolf in the it? Fold, where they were getting drunk on Gypsy Planet together. Yeah. Ah, but Kirk wasn't drunk. He was just. He holds his booze pretty well. <laughs> no, he's seen, he's seen him... the captain drunk, and he was completely the same. He's seen him drunk in the same way that you're talking to us drunk. Uh, but <laughs> the I... subject of that's the subject of that sentence is him. He's seen him while he Scotty has been drunk. <laughs> ah, well, who hasn't seen Scotty drunk? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've seen is, him. It, it is green. <laughs> it is green. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, not not maybe not the best way for them to go out, but <laughs> if it's going to be a ridiculous campy season, you might as well have a little fun with your last episode. I guess. <laughs> I did like the the implication that uh, you know Kirk and Janice Lester were going out, and then he obviously dumped her, mm-hmm. and she went completely batshit insane afterwards mm-hmm. because she couldn't handle her life without Kirk. Such is the fate of all women who get dumped by Kirk. <laughs> yes, there's, there's, he's left a trail of, as far as we know, 80 of them. Probably more. Who have had the Kirkmeister. <laughs> he probably called himself that, too. There's probably oh. a supervillain team made up of them all. <laughs> oh, no, I, always figured, I always figured one of the movies would be uh, his various illegitimate bastards uh, teaming up to, uh, you know, to get child support or something. The Captain Kirk Revenge Society? Yes. Well, well, that was almost Star Trek too, but then they had to rewrite it. <laughs> they couldn't get everyone back. All yeah. they could get was Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> and they couldn't have him be his illegitimate son. No, that, that's, that opens a whole other weird door. I don't know. Kirk had sex with himself from a previous time period through a wall. Yeah. You killed everyone else, Khan, but like me banging your mother, you keep missing the target. <laughs> He just pushed some genetic material through the wall on a library cart. 
That's what I like to call it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I really though I gotta say if, you know, I will know <laughs> if, if we're wrapping up the series here and now at least at least we got to have fun I mean I was really worried that the last few weeks of, of boringness would be you know would be would be it but thankfully <laughs> the show keeps well, I, on giving I knew the last one wouldn't be well yeah well, I mean the last episode yeah no but it I was didn't, it, I didn't think it would be that this crazy <laughs> no and I've seen it before and, and I thought I remembered it correctly but there was there was extra insanity we cannot overstate enough just how insane shatner is when you just let him do what he wants yep and don't rein him in even a little bit no and this was pure unchecked batshit insane shatner <laughs> it was and, and, and you know putting putting aside like, you're not getting a good sci-fi story here you're not getting a good character story here if you just want to watch kirk camp it up for an hour <laughs> You are in luck. This is where you go. Seriously, everyone watched this episode. Yeah, it's it is great in its own way. Mm-hmm. It, 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 if you want serious Star Trek, don't watch it. But I mean, if you want comedy, this is it. Yeah, oh, and and some of it's intentional. Some of it probably not. I, I mean, don't think any of it's intentional. No, I'm sure this was a serious episode. Well, there there was there was a legitimate feeling of you know tension. Like, would she make, you know, would she kill him? Would she, whatever. And she was supposed to be really bitter. And, you know, they didn't really play it for laughs. But how could you not? Oh, indeed. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Any, anything else about this one? We could we could go on about this one forever. but uh, Oh, Lord. We should probably no, start wrapping I, things I up here. I think that's it for me. All right. So back to the Savage Curtain. In the, future, in the future, exotic aliens will go to ridiculous, elaborate lengths to answer questions that they could just, you know, ask people. What is the difference between good and evil? That that could have been the episode. Didn't <laughs> didn't need to create Lincoln and Genghis Khan and that just yeah. seems a lot. <laughs> seems like a lot of work when you could just get a dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> or again, ask somebody mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, if, if you need some context, some subtleties, you know, ask Kirk. He'll tell you. What what? If you're a giant rock alien, you can't just go around asking someone. They'll scream and run away. Well, send, send the horde. Oh, oh, they'll stand there and say, that's quite a good effect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why do people I keep just, saying that to me? <laughs> I just have one question for you, Captain Kirk. What is the difference between good and evil? Well, you know, it's this and this. Okay. Now, my other question. What's Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> We're not well, allowed to talk question. about that. What's the difference between a man and a woman? Well, I don't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a couple of weeks. Any port in a storm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, don't want to get my nail filed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. All right. In the future, in the future, in the future. I will realize that Mr. Ataz, the librarian's name, is actually a, fra- a play on the phrase A to Z. Uh, that future's coming soon. Any second now. Hey, <laughs> I got it. Oh, now it's in the past. <laughs> uh, and for those of you Americans in the audience, Z actually means Z. I realized that I was about to make fun of you, and then I was outnumbered. So Yeah, you're outnumbered on this one, dude. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm afraid I am. Team Z. And don't worry, Matt, if it's in the past, you can still shout, and it'll hear you. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we've learned, it's that time travel is not as complicated as we thought. Just yell it through the wall. Slingshotting around the sun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kev. 
In the future, in the future. confusing future. General Order 4 with General Order 7 will ironically be the only death penalty left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my, my quote of the episode is the aforementioned awkward bit where uh, Hura meets Space Lincoln. Um, actually, the, the odd thing to me, well, here, here's the quote. Yes, sir. Mr. Scott. What a charming negress. Oh, forgive me, my dear. I know that in my time, some use that term as a description of poverty. But why should I object to that term, sir? You see, in our century, we've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura? The foolishness of my century had me apologizing where no offense was given. We've each learned to be delighted with what we are. The odd thing to me is how awkward they want it to be. Like, he's waiting for her to be offended, and she's like, no, no, it's fine. We, we don't care about that anymore in the future here. I, I think I think they kind of oversold it. I think, you know, everyone's saying, no, we embrace people's differences. All right, get back to work, Uhura. Good thing yeah. he never met Cisco. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. He would have he he uh, greeted him the same way he greeted Q. You punched me. Uhura never punched me. I'm not Uhura. You, you got a quote for the uh, yours? Oh, yeah. Um, I got Spock and Bones bantering in that way that I'm really going to miss. Dr. McCoy is making excellent progress. And Mr. Spock has been practicing medicine without a license now. Don't let him doctor you. I'm the doctor around here. And known as the worst patient in the entire crew of the Enterprise. Well, you, sh- you don't you don't have to, to weep for that just yet. We still have quite a few animated episodes where they will bicker and, uh, and of course, the movies. Not weep. Weep now. <laughs> oh, I like the animated series. I don't care what anybody says. So do I. It's fun. It's it's animated and it's got Star Trek ruined. Well, animated is overstating it maybe a bit. Well, well, it's 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 slightly moving and it's got the Star Trek crew in it. Yes, <laughs> and most of their Captain, voices except Chekhov. Captain, there is I'm the sure we run past this lamp eighteen times. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, we're in space. Why have we just gone past this city seventeen times? <laughs> Space is infinite. It sure seems awfully small. All right, Gabby, got a quote right, for Captain. Uh... We've got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, my quote is from Sulu when he's. I mean, it could have been Kirk saying mutiny so many times. I was so tempted. <laughs> but mutiny, uh, <laughs> banging his fist against the desk. <laughs> But my quote is from Sulu. Uh, whenever um, they're, they're, the other people are going to be um, executed, and he's just mad as hell, and he won't take it anymore. The captain really must be going mad if he thinks he can get away with an execution. Captain Kirk would order an execution even if he were going mad. That cannot be the captain. What difference does it make who he is? Are we going to allow an execution to take place? If security backs him up, how will we fight him? I'll fight them every way and any way I can. <laughs> Well, it's nice. It's nice for Sulu to get a little badass moment there, I suppose. Sulu went on to appear with a monkey in the movie Any Which Way You Can. <laughs> well, first is Any Which Way But Loose, I think, isn't it? Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you got to get the um, canon I, right. And I know he's hammy, but you never need to call Shatner um, a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, next to Shatner in this episode, everyone else looked like you know nuanced uh, Shakespearean actors. Yep. It looked like Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> So that that is it. We are done, and and we've been way too impressed with ourselves doing this. But uh, you know, we we made it through the entire series. 
Yep. Which, uh, how, how's that Doctor Who thing going for you guys? Are you done with that yet, by the way, Gav? Uh, no, not yet, <laughs> amazingly. Now, uh, I, I Somehow I've you... got Gav to do another one. I, I did want to give you the full uh, opportunity to, to plug that here. We, we have been enjoying that quite a bit. And, uh, and I, I feel like we have a, a considerable crossover audience potential here. So uh, by all means, tell us about that. It's basically me and uh, English Gav are doing the same thing as you guys are doing, but with Doctor Who from the beginning. Um, Drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com. And it's brilliant. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh... You know, typically I would I would smack I, someone I'm, for saying I'm, that about themselves. I, but... I'm too drunk not to be. <laughs> well, that that's the key difference. You're not doing exactly what we're doing because there's there's more drinking. Yes. There's more drinking, yes. We talk about beer in it as well. If you like beer, you can listen to it. And then on the way, you can learn about Doctor Who. And I can, um, I can how learn black about, and white it was. I can learn about where Prague is, which I still don't know. But uh... <laughs> It's in the Czech Republic. No, Gav doesn't know that either. Still, the that, that was my. Republic. That was why I kept asking him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Prague was invented in Russia, <laughs> not oh, <wow>. <laughs> not premium country. <laughs> so uh, the plan now is for us to uh, next week we'll do our usual uh, season three wrap up. Uh, we'll mm. haul out the puppets and uh, yep. dust the moth mothballs off of them and so forth. And then um, I don't know why I even have mothballs. What are yeah. you using these for? I don't know. I, it just seems like something you're supposed to have. Um, I, I went. I meant to buy a box of puppet preserver, but I got these instead. Yeah, I was going to freeze it in carbonite, actually. But, uh, I keep, anyway, I keep moths in my mothballs. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we'll be doing that next week. We'll also be doing the uh, the, the another supplemental installment. We have a few uh, stray things we wanted to talk about. A little bit of mail. A little bit of a uh, couple other things. Then we'll be jumping into the animated series. Um, yes. And we will be flying through that. We'll be doing four episodes per per week uh, because they're so short. So uh, mm. Gav will be joining us for one of those. We'll also be hearing from a few people we haven't had on before. So that should be uh, that should be fun. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Yep. So uh, thanks for listening. And that we're, uh-huh. I don't know how to end. So Matt, please say your catchphrase. Yeah, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2011. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.